Welcome to season two of Growing the Game, where we explore how sports are introduced, developed, and popularized beyond their home countries. My name is Zach Mason, and I've been studying international sport development and diplomacy for the past three years or so. And part of my research is conducted through this podcast, where I bring on experts to talk about the growth of certain sports within their country's borders. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Jake Silberlicht, the Director of Youth Development for Israel Lacrosse and Israel Lacrosse National Team member since 2014. We'll explore one of the great success stories in sport development, the story of how lacrosse went from a sport no one but American expats played to one of the fastest growing sports in the entire country, with the national team ascending to the world's top 10 lacrosse countries in a little over a decade. This kind of success this quickly is unprecedented, and through this discussion, I'm hoping to find some of the underlying causes for this incredible growth in one of the world's most fascinating countries. This is Growing the Game of Lacrosse in Israel. All right, Jake, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you uh, coming on and talking about this uh, fascinating sport in Israel. Yeah, Zach, appreciate you having me on, man. Um, you know, I really love what you're doing. I, I was able to look at some of the, the previous uh, pods you've done with uh, the hockey in Russia and all the other great stuff there. So um, appreciate you reaching out and I'm really looking forward. Oh, that's awesome. I appreciate it, man. Um, well, we'll just go ahead and get started with a little bit of your background. So um, tell me about where you're from. Where were you born? Where were you raised? Yes. Yeah, so uh, I was actually born in Washington, D.C. Uh, it didn't last long, though. Made my way upstate, uh, upstate New York with my my family, my older brother, my mom and dad, because um, they were following work. Um, from there, I mean, you know, I, I don't know who's going to be listening to the podcast, but lacrosse and, and hockey are pretty popular in, in New York and, and upstate there. Um, so I, I kind of fell somewhere in the, in between. I was kind of playing soccer growing up, playing baseball, a uh, little ice hockey, um, and, and didn't really get involved with lacrosse until uh, a little bit later, um, about 15 or 16 years old. Uh, I think my first true love was probably ice hockey. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I wanted to play something in the off season and, and lacrosse kind of fell in my lap. Uh, well, actually, cause my older brother, uh, played as well and he was a goalie. So, uh, you know, I just kind of wanted to be like him and thought he was the coolest. So thought I'd give it a shot and he needed someone to, to shoot on him and I needed someone to shoot on. So it was a, a nice symbiotic relationship we had. So where in, uh, upstate New York, uh, were you living? So I'm from what they like to call God's country up there on the uh, New York state Thruway, So I live in Utica, just outside Utica. My parents are from New Hartford or okay. we live in New Hartford. Um, and you got to the, to the West, you got Syracuse, you've got uh, Rochester and Buffalo, and then about an hour to Syracuse to the West. And then the other way you got Albany about an hour and a half. So legit, if you could just smack, throw a dart in the dead middle of New York, that's where, that's yeah. where New Hartford is. So. And, and that's lacrosse country, too. I mean, based on what I've seen, it's kind of Baltimore might be the mecca of lacrosse, uh, but all of the New England area seems to be where the main talent pool is and where the participation level is the highest. Is that right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it's such a new sport that, you know, there were these traditional hotbeds, which people say were Long Island, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., upstate New York. Um 
and I mean, every year, like it's just growing. Now you're getting kids coming from the West coast. You're getting kids coming from, from Texas, from Florida, um, you know, other places just in the Northeast, New Jersey, wherever it may be. Um, and, and I think it's cool. It's a testament to the game and, and how much it's, it really is growing um, domestically as well. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it, I remember seeing like I was watching a few years ago, like Denver was in like the finals or something like that. University of Denver. I was like, what? Like who's like how how has it grown all the way out west in the mountains? These kids are playing in really good teams. Totally. Yeah, totally. And, and that kind of got lost on me. That's a huge new hotbed. Uh, mm-hmm is out there out West in Denver. And I mean, I think uh, the university of Denver with the success that they've had has, you know, they're just doubling down on the amount of exposure the sport's getting and the amount of, you know, kids that are, are coming to games and picking up a stick and seeing it played at, you know, what some say are the highest level. Um, so that's huge for the development of, of the sport in that area and, you know, youth development. So uh, it's cool. I mean, it's cool how much noise, lacrosse is getting um you know i i think of it kind of like hockey hockey is not huge either it's not one of those big market sports like like the nba or the nfl um and you know their community is similar to the lacrosse community it's like tighten it and you know push this thing forward and and, and pass it forward so uh, it's cool and that's one of the things that definitely kind of got me inspired to to play lacrosse and be a part of it yeah so we kind of talked a little bit about this off air, but can you kind of talk, bring me back to the moment you first kind of came into contact with the sport of lacrosse? Obviously, growing up in the area that you did, it, it wasn't something that probably just came out of the blue that you've never heard of or seen before. But um, when did you first kind of like pick up a stick and and, uh, and, and start playing? Right. Yeah. So I, I think I, I first played on like the modified lacrosse team, like the first, uh, I guess, like organized team league that I played in. It wasn't until junior high, 15 years old, maybe um, my old like I said, my older brother was doing it. Um, and I thought that was I thought it was cool. Uh, like I liked I wanted to play with him and his buddies out in the backyard. Um, and it was something to do in the off season when I wasn't playing hockey uh, and I was also a soccer player. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, the sport was definitely new. Uh, and again, like if you have all of your hockey teammates who are looking for something to do in the offseason, want to stay stay in shape, want to just do something. I mean, when you're like all my buddies were three sports athletes in, in, in high school, because that's what we did. We went to, we went to soccer in the fall and we went to whatever with hockey in the winter and, and lacrosse in, in the spring. And um, yeah, simpler days, I guess. But so you know, your background was in ice hockey. So how different was it and how difficult was it to pick up some of the concepts on the lacrosse field um, based on like that underlying knowledge that you had about hockey? Like there's a lot of similarities to be drawn like that are very obvious, but it's also, I mean, it's a completely different playing surface. There's, there's clearly different, you know, rules and things like that. So um, was it as easy a transition? Was it so easy to pick up for you? Or was it like, oh, you know, there's a lot of different things that I need to learn here? Yeah, I think, honestly, um, I think a lot of it is uh, transferable from hockey. I think the hand-eye coordination with the stick kind of at the end there, whether it's up here or down, there, uh, down on the ice. Um, but... Um, again, like just, just like playing so many other sports as a kid, like even, you know, whether it was for fun or, 
organized, like, you, you know, we all kind of had that competitive attitude and, you know, anything we were going to go out there and do, we were going to try and beat our buddies and beat the other team. So um, it, in that sense, I, I don't think it was, it wasn't a super difficult transition. I had my brother around with a stick at home so we could play catch whenever we wanted. Um, and, and I, I don't want to jump too far ahead here, but it, it's definitely something that I have seen in Israel uh, when we're trying to develop the sport here is that it, and this is why I was mentioning it kind of is, is that's not necessarily the culture here. It's not to play a bit, you know, play sports all year round and, and play a bunch of different sports. A lot of the, the young athletes here will get stuck into one thing, whether it's soccer or basketball and play that nine, 10, 11 months out of the year. Um, and, and, you know, whether it's good or bad, indifferent, I, I'm not crazy about it. Um, but, you know, that kind of doesn't it doesn't really set these athletes up um, to be successful, whether it's in another sport or another event or anything like that. So, right. um, I don't know. I hope I didn't jump too far ahead. No, there. no. Yeah. I, and I completely agree. And the other thing is just the burnout from it. Like I can't imagine, right. you know, uh, 10, 11 months, just the same sport as a kid. Like, you know, you got to be out there playing different sports and it, it sharpens all of your skills. Like we could talk about that all day. Um, right. but yeah. So, um, at what point did you kind of start to realize that lacrosse was something that you could, you know, maybe potentially play at a higher level, you know, than middle school, high school, whatever, um, and, and maybe even pursue a career in it? Like, when did that realization come to you? Yeah, so uh, in at least when I was in high school playing hockey in college, um, there wasn't a lot of opportunity to do that. Um, and if you wanted to do that, you had to spend post-grad time or you had to spend money and a lot of time and, and travel playing on travel teams and club teams. Um, and it wasn't something that I think I was like crazy about at the time. Uh, and lacrosse was still up and coming even more than it is now. I mean, that was what, 2009, I guess. Um, so there was still plenty of opportunity, pl plenty of, you know, division three, division one teams that were out there looking to fill roster spots with, you know, athletic guys, um, you know, whoever. So I think that was definitely a part of it. I, I saw that there was some kind of, you know, more, more opportunity, I guess, for instant gratification for me to go and play at a high level and continue to kind of uh, develop my own game uh, at a high level. Um, I think that, you know, it's not crazy to think that a lot of 17, 18 year olds are just ready to go to college. And I think I was like that as well. Um, it's cool. Again, I hope I'm not, I'm jumping not too forward, but we do a gap year program here in Israel where kids will finish their high school year, uh, senior year. They'll come, they, they'll spend a year here with us in Israel, developing the game, coaching, um, developing leaders, leadership and, and communication skills with us here uh, throughout our program and then go back and start their freshman year of college. And I've really seen like a difference. Uh, and I think it's just like having that one year under your belt to kind of gain perspective and, and new experiences really can like jumpstart you when you get on campus your freshman year, whether that's right. a year later or down the road or not. Um, I think that so, should be mandatory, honestly. Totally. Like if I totally. had taken a year off of high school or after graduating high school and gone overseas and just experienced a new perspective um, in the world, like that would have done wonders for me. Like I just, 
for me, like this is so off topic, but like I just did what everyone told me to do, which was graduate and immediately go to school and start piling up the student debt. I went out of state. So I had that out of state tuition fund. And I was Mm -hmm. like, man, if I spent a tenth of that money on taking a year off and just traveling that experience, I mean, it just does wonders for um, just overall maturity. And, you know, when I came back, I would have been, yeah. So I I love that gap. And I read a little bit about that before this podcast. So uh, I was like, oh, this is so cool. Um, But yeah, we'll, we'll get to that a little bit more. So um, what, what was your, so yeah, what was the next step after high school? Where did you go and and what what did you do? Yeah. So uh, my older brother, um, who was three years in school ahead of me, uh, he was about to be a senior at a place called Hobart College in Geneva, New York. Um, I, in high school, I was always going buzzing out uh, down the throughway uh, with my parents to the games in Geneva. We would go to away games whenever we can get to them. Um, and, and again, like I, this was still at a time when I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was still playing lacrosse for fun because there was something to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, kind of started to really fall in love with, you know, the way, uh, I, I could see, you know, my brother Max and Hobart's team kind of play at that high level. Um, they were playing in a league, one of the best leagues. They were playing, they play Syracuse, Cornell, you know, week after week. So it, it was cool. It was definitely something that was like attractive to me, um, you know, that competition and that high level. And, and, you know, the fact that my brother Max was on the team would just like made it 10 times cooler. Um, obviously, I had uh, an official visit at Hobart. Um, and I had plenty of unofficial visits, like going to hang out and um, hanging out with Max and, and seeing kind of what that what that kind of college life was like. Um, and honestly, when it came time to make a decision, there wasn't really many other um, options that I wanted that were on the plate for me. I was just interested in Hobart. I was like, Max is the coolest. Like, I want to do what he does. And it, and it's not like I was kind of going in blind. Like I was, I really liked where I liked the campus. I like, I really liked the coach. I liked uh, kind of the, the, the guys on the team and the culture there. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it was a, a very practical kind of way to go. And still, I think it was, you know, a, a really good decision for me. So, yeah. So um, you get through college. Um, at what point are you introduced to the concept of Israel lacrosse? Yeah, that that actually didn't happen until I th- it must have been like senior year, um, kind of senior year in the in the in the spring. We were in season um, and I think we were on a road trip or something. But uh, my 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 old man was the one who kind of set it up. So my brother, Max, one of his friends, Dave Sleeper, best friends from high school, went to University of Vermont. And there his teammate was a kid named Noah Miller. Uh, Noah Miller was kind of one of the one of the guys Mount Rushmore of Israel cross one of the first guys here to to get it going Mm -hmm. Um, he was just kind of blasting out everywhere buzzing all the towers trying to find uh, Jewish lacrosse players who might be interested in an opportunity Um, and he he was obviously talking to Dave because they were roommates and Dave Sleeper had mentioned my brother's name and my name so the whole roundabout way uh uh, got in touch with my dad. And then I talked to Noah, Noah Miller on the phone. Um, and yeah, that was, that was kind of the first contact that I had with Israel across, but I will say that it was still a long road between then 
and me getting to Israel one for my first time um, and two to kind of come to a realization that I would want to spend time there or spend any time there at all. So um, what year was that? Uh, so I graduated in 2013. Um, and then right after gradu- graduation, I actually uh, spent time in South Australia. I spent a year immediately after graduation in South Australia, where I was able to play in a league there, um, develop the sport, uh, be involved with like youth development and being in the schools there. Um, so that was kind of an opportunity for me. I wasn't exactly sure what exactly I wanted to do um, after my senior year, kind of when I was finished with college. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of looking for a little buffer zone there to, like we talked about earlier, travel, get some pers- perspective, not, not be super stressed by school and, and things like that. And kind of, um, figure out who, who, who I was and, and, you know, just take some time to, to, to reflect and understand what I wanted that next step to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that I did go to, go to Australia and continue with in the game with lacrosse, um, kind of made that career path a little bit more realistic for me. I think um, when you're kind of walking off the stage of graduation, you don't think that you're going to be able to continue uh, a full-time career in the mm-hmm. sport unless you're going to go play pro or do something along those lines um, or be a coach um, at a high level. And, and that's not that's not something I was ready to commit to immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, again, kind of just seeing what was out there and gaining a little experience, uh, was uh, just what I needed. Um, so, so when Israel lacrosse reaches out to you, what do they say? We're we're looking for players. We're, we're looking for people to just come check it out and play against us. Like what, what was their, uh, conversation? That's a great question. Uh, the first, so when I first got involved, they hit me up, Noah hit me up, hit us up in 2013. Um, the world championships were in 2014 and they were in Denver, Colorado. Um, and Israel was trying to recruit a team to and get a bunch of guys to come to the tryout, uh, both Israeli-based guys and American-based guys. Um, and I think there was 80 of us there. Um, but it's funny because when he, he had called me, I was like, I, I mean, look, like I, I'm, you know, I'm kind of a role player out there, like midfielder, try and just contribute wherever I can and grind as much as possible and, and contribute to the team. But I was like, look, how, how many good Jewish lacrosse players can be out there? I'm going to be, I'm going to be a magician over there. Like it's <laughs> come on. And so I show up, I show up and it's like 80 guys. There's like pros division one guys, like, you know, wow. other college guys, like really, really high level. And I was like, okay, I'm, I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. <laughs> uh, so that was, uh, it was honestly a pleasant surprise, right? Like a very pleasant right. surprise. Um, but they had us 80 guys out for this tryout. Um, we were out here for about a, a week and change or something like that. Uh, we trained and tried out at this place called the Wingate Institute, which is where all of uh, Israel's Olympic athletes train. Um, so really like nice facility. They, they uh, had like rooms for us there and everything, the, the cafeteria, like everything was great. Um, but they also like took us around Israel um, cause it was my first time there. So they took us around, we went to Jerusalem, we went to the Dead Sea, we went North, we went South. Um, so we could all kind of gain that experience as well and kind of connect with that side. Right. Um, and then the third, uh, which was the coolest thing for me was, uh, they kind of like put us right in the fold in their youth development and they kind of used us as a tool to help promote the sport in Israel. Right. Like we have 80, 
international level, you know, highest level lacrosse players here in Israel, we're going to use these guys to kind of just like get the, get the sport exposure. So we were able, like, I, I didn't know a lick of Hebrew. I, I was like thrown right onto the field to like coach Israeli kids. And it, it was a really, really challenging experience in a good way. Like mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I, I, I you know, I, I can connect through the sport here with these, with these kids and, and I can make a connection, but I, I wish that I could connect more and on a deeper level. Um, so it was really, really challenging in a way that I was hungry to kind of understand a little bit more about uh, lacrosse abroad in for one, but in Israel uh, specifically, you know, where, what is it, what is this kid's background? Like, where does he come from? Like, what is he, what is he going to do later on in his life? Um, it, it was interesting, interesting, like perspective, unique, challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, yeah, I, I guess they thought I had a decent tryout. I, I don't think I did, but, uh, they, <laughs> they, I guess they liked me. So, um, the executive director, Scott Neese, uh, had called me and he was, I was in back in Australia at the time. So I was like, I had flown from Australia to Israel and then, then flown back to Australia. And he's like, Oh, he's like, we loved you. And we, we'd love to get you to Israel. And, you know, we want you, we want you on the team for sure. But we'd also like, I, we, we like you as a person and, and we, you know, we'd love to have you on staff to continue to coach and develop the sport here on the ground. And I was like, are you sure you're talking to the right guy? And I was, I was like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay. Uh, so I'm like, listen, Scott, you know, I, I had a great time. Um, I'm here in Australia now. I'm not really sure. I was still kind of in limbo. Didn't know what my next step was going to be. Um, and he's like, okay, okay. Like, think about it. And then like, let me know. And I'm like, okay. And you know, the next week comes by, he calls me again. He's like, Hey, did you think about it? Like you ready to come yet or what? And I'm like, uh, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure. You know, it, it's kind of like a big decision and, right. and, and I'm kind of just stalling and, it was true. Like it was a big decision. Like I didn't know exactly what I wanted still. Um, but then this dude, Scott was legit, just like relentless, like would not leave me alone, like calling <laughs> me, like zooming me. I was like, I was like saying things. I was like, Oh, I, I, I don't know. Like maybe I'll go to grad school or something. He's like, great. You can go to grad school in Israel. Come on over. <laughs> and so the joke is I'm finally, I'm like, all right, Scott, like if you stop calling me, like, and stop bugging me, like I'm coming. And I just like hang up the phone. Like, <laughs> But um, yeah, that's that's kind of how it all went down. So uh, again, that was a minute ago now, 2013, 2014. So, so take me back to that um, that first contact with the kids in Israel when you're you're coaching. They send you all eight of you guys out there. Um, what what was the response from the kids? I mean, I know you didn't speak Hebrew. Like I'm sure it wasn't easy to to gauge. Um, you know, where their heads were at, but like, were you able to kind of get a sense that like, okay, there's a lot of potential for lacrosse in this country. These kids are eating this up. Totally. Um, I would even say even before we talk about Israeli kids specifically, I, I have this burning feeling deep down in my gut that any kid who gets their hands on a stick is going to feel something, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So let's start with that. Right. Um, Israeli specifically, I think are athletic, really good soccer players, athletic, competitive. Um, you know, I mean, like growing up kind of like in this region, in the Middle East, it, it kind of like it toughens you up. It, it like, you know, kind of makes you it gives you like a little thicker of a skin. And I think that that's something that does kind of play into the competitiveness 
of Israelis on the playing field, which really benefits them. And I think is is kind of cool if you can tap tap into that um, with your players. So, yeah. And that's interesting that you say that, because like um, I, like I told you, my background's more in basketball. And uh, we talk about like countries having their certain brands and identities um, you know, America has its identity. Spain has one, you know, Lithuania, like when you, when you get on the court, you know, the style of play that you're going to encounter on the other side. I think the lacrosse, what are there like 40, 50 lacrosse federations out there? Um, in I think there's countries? upwards of, I think there's 60 plus now. Wow. Okay. Now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I would imagine that certain countries are starting to cultivate their own identities as they're getting more, deeper into building their lacrosse programs um, domestically. So like that just that struck me because um, talking about the Middle East and just how that toughens you is, is that something that you think will be or currently is the identity of Israel lacrosse is we may not be the flashiest this or that, but we're going to be tougher. We're going to out hustle that kind of stuff. Totally. Zach, you're nailing it on the head right now. And I appreciate all these awesome questions. Um, I do think, and this is something that kind of like what is what drives myself and some of my colleagues to like wake up and do this on a daily basis and drives us and motivates us is building that Israeli identity, that Israeli lacrosse player. And I think that we, Israel, are extremely lucky, Israel lacrosse, extremely, extremely lucky that we're in this position where we can bring players and 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 uh and coaches and referees and fans from the united states from canada from north america over to israel so frequently that we expose our homegrown players to them almost year-round we have winter trips we have summer trips we have the gap year right so you're a kid in israel you're being coached by myself or you're being coached even sometimes by another Israeli, but you're also getting so much of that North American influence Mm -hmm. and the mixture of that, I think is, is going to be really, really, it's a great recipe. I think like, like we said, you know, having that tough skin, being competitive, being athletic. Now the the best lacrosse is in in North America. You have the Iroquois, you have Canada, you have the United States, the three best teams you have, all these people who are who are are playing lacrosse all over coaches everybody are now just coming to israel on our programs and are just engaging with our players right and they're showing them videos and they're teaching them tricks and teaching them new techniques and everything so that kind of mix of learning learning the game discovering the game and understanding the game in israel from its from its root at its core but having all this influence from North America, from the hottest of the hotbeds of lacrosse all the time, I think is, is an awesome, awesome recipe. Um, and I think that my colleagues who put all that stuff together, Seth Mahler, Dave Lasday, Sarah Meisenberg, who put on all this programming to get all these people to come and experience Israel and be a part of Israel lacrosse and be a part of our family. I think it's incredible, incredible work. I would recommend it to anybody out there who's interested in coming to Israel. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, I guess I went a little long there, but that's kind of the identity that we, we like to build and, and we are still building to this day. Um, mm-hmm. So we're lucky. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe 10, 15 years ago. So like the, the Federation in Israel wasn't, you know, created till 2010, 2011, something like that. Um, before that, I mean, do you have any idea of how many people were playing lacrosse in Israel? 
I'll tell you what, because like, because there are uh, a lot of um, like expats here and transplants, I think there may have been a handful of guys who maybe brought their lacrosse sticks from the United States when they moved to Israel. Uh-huh. Uh, but n- not one, I don't think any students who like grew up in the Israel in Israel and Israeli schools would have any clue what it was. Right. Um, I think that most recently there's this, there's this, uh, there's this series on Netflix called Teen Wolf mm-hmm. and it has lacrosse in it and it's like super popular in Israel. So <laughs> now, like now when we're exposing the sport, everyone's like, oh, I've seen this before. Teen Wolf, Teen Wolf. Yeah. That's Again, so funny. simpler times back then. Simpler yeah. times. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Like, you know, I do all this work and research like, oh, what does it take to grow a sport? And it's like, well, Teen Wolf on Netflix. That's how yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Man. Uh, so now you've got a lot more, obviously, uh, kids playing uh, who have were introduced to it at a much earlier age. Uh, it's not just expats, you know, uh, who brought their gear over. And I can say this without fear of contradiction. I don't know that there's been any sport in any country that has been introduced and grown so quickly than lacrosse in Israel. I mean, the country is is competing at the highest levels now. Uh, it's it's placed top 10 in the world championships. It's medaled in the European championships. Um, and I know that, you know, you do have American, uh, American players that are playing for Israel and all that stuff. But in terms of the, the growth as well, like the number of people that you have uh, playing the sport in Israel um, has just skyrocketed. And I, I'm just fascinated by that because how does it happen in such a short window of time? Are there any indicators that you've seen um, or particular initiatives that you've seen that could possibly explain how the sport was able to grow so quickly? Yeah. Um, so uh, my answer, and I hope it's not too cheeky. Um, I, I really do believe that the people that we have here on the, the ground are, are incredibly driven and not just driven, but super, super passionate, passionate about the sport of lacrosse and uh, about Israel. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the fact that like we can come and this is, you know, we all, all of, all of us on team Israel, like grew up being Jewish. Mm -hmm. So it's something, it's a much deeper connection. So, yeah, so that, so that's one huge part of it. And Mm -hmm. I also, I also think that our staff here, like our, our men's players, women's players, girls, coaches, boys, coaches, like everybody, what we do mainly is we work in the, like the periphery. So like we work in a lot of like at risk schools and at risk areas. So, um, you know, we're trying to give kids opportunity that wouldn't necessarily have it. Um, you know, otherwise I think that in the United States, lacrosse obviously has this stigma of being, um, a sport where you need to be very well off to participate because you need to buy all the equipment and you need to pay for all the teams. Um, so what we do is we try and uh, basically give the equipment away at, at a very, very rock bottom price just to keep the kid invested, but really get into these areas outside of the cities, you know, where there isn't a ton of money and, and still give the, the opportunity to those kids. We try and go in, uh, our mission statement says that we we try to bridge divided communities through sport. Um, and I think that's so true. Uh, a place that we're at in, in Oshkelon, um, which is, uh, is in the periphery in the South, 
Um, you have kids coming who, who live in a huge house on the water to practice. And you have kids coming from, you know, a couple miles across town who live in a two bedroom apartment with their six brothers and sisters and their parents. Um, so I think that the, our coaches, our staff is so passionate about, you know, kind of giving these opportunities and making an impact. Like, you know, we always say make an impact or we say, my, my boss, Scott, always used to say, move the needle. We want to move the needle, right? Like I could, I, I could go get a job in finance and sit at my desk nine to five, punch in, punch out and, you know, get my paycheck and be happy with it. But I think that that's the characteristic that a lot of us have here. All of us have here is that we, you know, we, we ain't getting, you know, paid a ton of money to do it. They take good care of us, but we're not in it for the money. Right. right. We're here to, to move the needle. We want to give that opportunity to a kid because we know how much we benefited from the game itself. Like when, right. Like I picked up lacrosse and I was luckily, luckily that it fell, in, fell into my lap, but look like it, it put me to college. It, it put me, it, I traveled after college. I, it put me in a career here in Israel, like something that I've, I've been super stoked about that I d- didn't have any plans for. Mm-hmm. So the, the fact that we all have that ability to, to, quite literally pass it forward, pass the stick forward to, to a kid and just open those doors for him. Maybe he just wants to play for fun here and there, but you know, some kids, it could be like, look, I want to, I want to, I want to coach when I'm older. I want to play for team Israel. I want to travel. I want to be a leader in my community. And like, you know, they're, they're like, they're the heroes, right? Like I'm just kind of facilitating it. They're the ones who kind of take, take the stick and and take to the sport and, and kind of do their thing. But um, that, that's what I think. That's what I meant when, you know, everybody's so passionate. No one, no one here is in it for the money. They're here yeah. to make a difference and, and to, to do good. Right. So that's something that helps all of us, you know, stay so motivated. Yeah. So America is often a barometer for how how successful a sport can be internationally. And what I mean by that is in Zagreb, Croatia, you can wake up and turn on highlights, sports highlights and see the Los Angeles Lakers. And you see LeBron James drop 38 last night, this and that. And then you've got this like this example. And, you know, they're making hundreds of millions of dollars and there's there's a certain level that's just beyond elite. And it's like, wow, that exists. And maybe if I practice really hard, I can go overseas and I can go play in this American league and, and make millions of dollars or something like that. Yeah. Obviously with lacrosse, um, there are professional leagues in America, but you know, you're not buying multi-million dollar homes on the salaries, you know, premier lacrosse league, whatever. Is that something that you think is potentially inhibiting the growth of the sport in Israel when you don't have like superstars and, um, you know, a major league that's on TV and things like that, even in America, let alone in Israel? So, yeah, I mean, you're nailing it. Uh, I think it's it's really hard. I think that that's definitely an obstacle, right, because we sometimes go into schools and kids are just like laughing. They're like, what is this? What are you, are you catching butterflies? Like what is going on? Right. So right. that's definitely, that's definitely an obstacle. Um, the cool thing about what we do is every year we go into the schools to recruit, we try and figure out new ways to like expose the sport in the best way to like, dude, it's like huge, like first impression, right. First impression. 
is like, okay, you got to get a kid hooked on it immediately. How do I do that? Like, I can't, you know, there, there's so many constraints. Like, like, okay, I'm in a gym. I can't like show them a full on game game with, with, with nine on uh, right. Like I can maybe show them a video. Um, you know, you can maybe show them some tr stick tricks, all this stuff. So that is definitely an obstacle. Um, in 2018, uh, we, Israel hosted the world championships. So I think it was like 50 countries came to Israel to compete on the biggest stage at the highest level. Mm -hmm. So that was so huge for us because I, we were finally able to show them those superstars like team USA, team Canada. These guys are huge. They're throwing it behind the back. They're scoring from everywhere. Like they're blown away seeing this because yeah, they've seen a few, maybe like the highest level they've seen was when we have our premier lacrosse league in Israel or, when, you know, we had a few scrim, uh, we had a few games with England, we had a couple international friendlies, um, but for them to finally kind of see, like, right, they'll, they'll start playing lacrosse and they'll see like Paul Rabel and stuff on Instagram and all this. And they're like, oh, this guy's awesome. And then he finally, you know, we finally were able to get Team USA and get the entire lacrosse world to come. And they were able to see that firsthand. Mm -hmm. It was on TV. There was lacrosse players on buses, on billboards. It was huge for us. Of course, it was huge for us. Um, and, and yeah, I think that, it, that that's, a, that's definitely an obstacle. And, I, and I'm sure kind of some of the other people that you've had on the pod have, have mentioned that, that if it's not necessarily the cultural norm, that is an obstacle. And, and it's something you got to kind of try and tweak and work with and figure out uh, how to get around it. So, so, you know, speaking about that 2018 uh, world championship, I believe that was originally supposed to be held in uh, England. Uh, but they said that they had some financial issues or something like that. Uh, but here's Israel open and uh, welcoming to, to the tournament. Um, what have you seen in terms of government support for the growth of the sport of lacrosse? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I would say that I was somewhat distant from that side of it because our my like our boss Scott and David they wanted to kind of keep the players and the men's roster separate whether you were an employee or not mm -hmm. um, kind of separate from that side of it which I really to this day still really appreciated um, but I think with the world championships like I think they were excited to host I know that um, you know Israel does love sport and culture. They, they do. Um, I, I will say that there's a huge portion of, of funding and support that goes to soccer um, and also to basketball. I mean, mm -hmm. there's some great Israeli basketball players out there. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I, I do think that Israel is still a very young country, right? Um, just over 70, like um, still kind of finding our way, I would say, um, at least in this kind of area um it's it's tough for a new sport to break in um we do get uh government support in a few different areas for a few different things um my my boss my colleague david lasday uh he is our cfo and he kind of does all of our grant writing and finds all of our government support and kind of makes all grabs all this stuff from every which direction and and to, to make the kind of keep the lights on and keep the wheels spinning here. And he is like a madman. He's such, he works his butt off. Um, 
you know, anything he can do to get a, get a shekel here or there to, to continue to help the development of the sport he's going to do. Um, and you know, he's, you know, he'll do anything. He'll be out there in the trenches with us if he, if we need him. So, um, again, just passionate people who are able to kind of make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Time has really flown here. So we'll, we'll get started on wrapping up, but, um, I typically close with, um, if growth continues at the current rate in Israel, how do you envision the sport looking five years from now, 10 years from now? Uh, and what do you hope it looks like? What my goal, I guess, has been from the beginning is kind of give it the jump start that it that it needs and be able to pass it off to a native is native born Israeli who learned the game and and found the game here in Israel and was has only, you know, grown up training and playing here in Israel. Um, you know, I want it to be it, it really at the end of the day is for that. It's for them. It's not for me. It's for the next generation of of Israeli lacrosse. And, you know, I really hope that in five to 10 years, um, whether I'm here or not, like I hope that I can be able to take a step back and just kind of, you know, have these young kids who have now become young men and young women um, become coaches, become leaders in their community, become leaders in the lacrosse community, um, you know, continue to expose the sport, continue to whether it's whether it's working for us as a coach or just volunteering their time, um, you know, that, that's what I want. I want it to be completely 100% sustainable where we don't, where, where lacrosse doesn't need guys like me who are, you know, Israeli American who, you know, yeah, I've, I've been in Israel for a really long time and, and I, and I do call it home, but you know, people who, 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 who are like the, the roots of the country who are, who are the heart and soul of the country to, to, to really take to the game and really have it become sustainable. And, and you know, in the, in the roots of the, of the country. And like I said, it's, it's, it's young. It's, it's just over 70 years old, 73, I think. Um, like we have the opportunity and, you know, our players have the opportunity to really write the history books at this point, it hasn't even been a hundred years yet. Like we're, we're making an impact already and, and we're getting bigger and we're getting, you know, we're, we're, we're doing things right. And we're, you know, we're competitive and we're competing um, so like I said, it's really, you know, I, I, I've had a great time being able to play for team Israel. I've been extremely privileged and lucky to be able to play for team Israel for as long as I have. And, and that's great. And that's awesome. And, and, um, but, but really what I'm trying to say is at the end of the day, like I I'm, I'm waiting and I'm, I'm excited and I'm, you know, for, for the guys, you know, who I've coached. And I, you know, there one of my one of my players, one of my really really close friends, Ori Ori Bar David, who grew up in Netanya, I'll never forget. Like when I put a stick in his hand, you know, five six years ago, and now he plays on the men's team with me, and he coaches and he manages coaches, and you know, he he's he's a better coach than I am. He communicates better with the with the players, and he's going to be a better player than I am. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. that's kind of being able to see it come full circle. And I know that there's going to be more guys like Ori and there are already more guys and more girls out there like Ori that, you know, want this, want to see this succeed and want to see this become sustainable. Um, the interesting thing about Israel is that at age 18, uh, everyone is, it's like mandatory conscription to the army. 
So at, at 18, every citizen has to go. It's, it's not exactly, but it's something like two girl, uh, two years for girls and three years for boys at age 18. Um, so this is kind of something that we struggled with, like, okay, so we coach kids all the way up through high school and then we just lose them for three years to the mm -hmm. army and maybe they stay involved, maybe not depending on where they serve and maybe they come back after, but usually they don't, they kind of, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes, you know, a lot of times it kind of falls out of, you know, out of the, you know, out of their kind of vision um, in the army and then, you know, don't come back. But now we're starting to see a couple of things. One is we're having some of our national team players, our under, under 20, under 19 national team players, they're getting to do what's called a national service um, in lieu of an army service, of a military service. And what that means is they have um, a job in the army where they go in a few days a week mm -hmm. um, in the mornings. And then in the afternoons, they are allowed to leave base to whether it's train or coach or um, play or compete or whatever. Um, finally, as of a couple of years ago, lacrosse has been getting recognition to be able to offer that to our athletes. Wow. Right. So like soccer players have been getting it forever. Like hundreds of soccer players have gotten it for a long time. And finally, like we've gotten to this threshold where we've been able to get our athletes that exemption. So we don't lose them to the army. They get to stay involved and even get more heavily involved while they're in the army because they have this time and we've been able to do that. Um, so that's really cool. And yeah, after that, I mean, like, again, you have these kids after the army, you know, we are trying to grow this as much as we can. So we can offer like our staff right now is, is very bare bones just because that's where we're at right now. Um, which is okay. Uh, we have a lot of people that volunteer and help us. Um, but we want to be able to grow and be at a place where we can offer these, like I said, we can offer these career paths or at least, you know, starts of career paths in lacrosse as a coach, as a youth coach, you know, something like that. So that a kid who does play uh, when they're younger um, can, you know, see where they can go with it. Right. Like, OK, I'm not seeing the superstars. Maybe I can't play in the pro league or whatever, but I can become a coach. I can be a national team player. So that's something else that's kind of helped us. And, and like I said, we're still young nine ten years old trying to figure out how to make it work and what works and what doesn't just like anybody else who comes on the pod um so uh yeah we just we, we keep chalking along and and like i said i'm hoping 10 5 10 years down the road we'll have a bunch of ori bar davids who are going to be able to take this program and this organization and the sport in israel you know light years above where it is now so yeah um that's a terrific answer yeah so <laughs> Thank you so much. And um, yeah, I, this is some, I may have to do a part two at some point be, and, and just follow up and touch base. Cause this could have been a whole three hour, you know, <laughs> interrogation. <laughs> like there's just so many questions. And, uh, but I think we covered a, a, a great deal and I, I feel very enlightened and, you know, that was an eye opening discussion. So uh, thank you. Like it was really valuable insight and I appreciate you uh, taking the time today. Totally. Totally, man. I appreciate you having me on. And, and like I said, I, I love what you're doing. I think it's, it's really cool to kind of give this exposure to, to these passionate people. Like I said, mm -hmm. the other passionate people that have been on the pod who probably aren't, aren't in it for the money. Um, you know, I've listened right. to one or two, hope to listen to the rest of them, but really, really interesting, driven, cool people 
Um, and, and I'm honestly uh, humbled and grateful to be uh, on that list and, and be on the pod. And uh, I would love to do a follow-up for sure. Thank you.